we're going to read, uh, jumping right in the middle of the story where the angel appeared to Mary and said, guess what? And she's about 14, 15 years old, little Jewish girl, little Jewish teenager. And the angel said, you're going to conceive and you're going to give birth to the Christ child. Now, her immediate response was totally understandable. It wasn't a statement of unbelief. It was a statement of just pure logic. She said, how will this be since I have never been intimate with a man? I'm virgin. How can this be? Now, look what the angel answered and said to her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Power of the highest is going to overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, I want you to look at her statement of faith. Her response is one of the greatest statements of faith in the whole Bible. She says, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Now, read the last words with me, everyone. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, how many things in our life do we need to say that over? Let it be to me according to your word. She didn't let the, the magnitude of it stagger her. She just said, let it be to me. I don't know how you're going to work it all out, Lord, but I just trust you. Let it be to me according to your word. And so I'm going to talk about faith today. And Mary's, Mary's amazing faith. As we continue this series, every, every, what every Christian should know. Every Christian should understand the concept of faith, what faith is, how we get faith, how we strengthen our faith, the importance of faith. This is something every Christian should know. And I'm just going to weave it into the story of the greatest mother of all time, who is Mary. Amen? Father, we just thank you right now for faith. And I pray that faith will be ignited in this house today, that faith will be resurrected, that faith will be stirred and strengthened, fanned into flame. I thank you, Lord, for hearing us on this. Now, will you just pray, church, and say, Lord, strengthen my faith today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, have faith in God. You'll never regret it. Amen. You won't ever regret it. Now, Mary's response to this heavenly visitor is just amazing. Uh, she just says, be it unto me according to your word. Now, since this little teenager could have such incredible faith, it shows me that faith is not a chronological thing. That is, you don't have to be a certain age to have great faith. Uh, she had incredible faith. And I want to just kind of, as I teach on faith, I'm going to pick apart different aspects of her faith as we look at this today, because faith matters to every person in this room. Uh, faith sure matters to the Word of God. I got curious and I counted and found that, I didn't go through the whole Bible, but I looked it up. Faith is mentioned in the Bible 243 times, the word faith. Now, if it's mentioned once, we ought to pay attention to it, but 243 times, this is clearly a major topic to God. Okay, faith. And, and this really surprised me. Of the times faith is mentioned, it's only mentioned twice in the Old Testament, the word faith. All, the 241 other times is in the New Testament. Now, Jesus talked about faith a lot. Jesus mentioned faith 12 times in Matthew's gospel, uh, five times in Mark, 12 times in Luke, and in John it's not mentioned. But 
you notice the way Jesus dealt with people. When Jesus would meet somebody, one of the first things he got a read on was their faith. He would mention their faith. He would comment on their faith. He would call their faith great faith or little faith or, or struggling, whatever. He, he would, he, it's almost like he was saying, faith is the measure of your spirituality or faith is the barometer that lets us know where your spiritual walk is. If you have healthy faith, you're in a great place. But if your faith is struggling, Jesus would say, I want to strengthen your faith. He would often say, oh, you of little faith. He told his own, own disciples all the time, oh, you of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? He mentioned their faith all the time. He talked about little faith, great faith, healing faith, mountain-moving faith, saving faith. He was always talking about faith. So clearly, if it was on Jesus' mind and was important to him, it should be important to us today. Where is our faith? And and we need to understand what the Bible says about this very important subject, faith. Of the six foundation stones of doctrine, of the, the Christian doctrine given to us in Hebrews 6, the second one is faith toward God. It calls faith, faith toward God. Now, I want to suggest to you today that everybody has faith. Everybody puts faith in something. We put faith in fate. We put faith in chance. We put faith in government. We put faith in another person. We put faith in a, in a religion. We put faith in many, many different things. But the Bible talks about turning the faith, our faith, toward God. Faith that looks up and believes God. Faith toward God. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. Faith toward God. Now, just starting out, what is faith? Well, the Bible defines it perfectly, tells us exactly what it is, and it's not what you might think. It says in Hebrews 11, verse 1, Now faith is confidence in what we are hoping for. And it is assurance about what we do not yet see. So get this, faith is believing in something you cannot see. Bible faith is believing in a God your natural eye cannot see. You don't see God, but you believe in God. He's an invisible God, and that's what faith is. Faith is the confidence that though you don't see it, it's coming. That though you don't see it, it's there. Though you can't see it, taste it, touch it, smell it, feel it, it's still there. Faith is the substance of things hoping you're hoping for, and it is the confidence of what you do not yet see. Let me give you an example. It says, by faith, Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going, watch this, because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Now that's an oxymoron. That's a contradiction. How can I keep my eyes on something invisible? It's because faith has an eye. Faith sees what the natural eye doesn't see. Faith looks beyond the veil, and faith knows that God is there. Moses kept his eyes peeled on him who is invisible. He was walking towards God, seeking God, pursuing God, drawing near to God, though he could not see him. He left everything that he had in Egypt to go off to a wilderness area Because he was following the invisible God. So here's what we can walk away from with this verse. And it's this. We recognize that 
Just because something is invisible doesn't mean it's not real. I'm not talking about the tooth fairy or something like that. I'm talking about the living God. The Bible is very clear that, that just because something is invisible doesn't mean it's non-existent. There are invisible things we cannot see, but they are very much there. Our senses are limited. But faith gives us an eye to see and believe in things that are invisible. Now, let me give you an example. We do this all the time. We, we do the, this kind of thing all the time. You did it on the way here more than likely. You flipped on a radio dial and you believe that invisible radio waves that are floating through the air right now, we're going to be pulled in. We're going to be translated into a sound that you could hear and understand from a radio station and an individual behind a microphone that you cannot see. Yet you knew that it would work. You don't have to understand why it worked or how it worked. You just turn that dial and you know, I'm about to hear something because those invisible waves are there. They are real. Jesus talked about the wind. He said, you can't see the wind. Nobody has ever seen the wind, but you see what it does. It bends the trees. It blows the leaves. It's invisible, yet it's real. Now here's the deal. Our God, the Bible God, Jehovah God is invisible, yet he is very, very much there. You can't see him, but you believe in him. We believe in him. The evidence for his reality is all around us. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament, the sky shows his handiwork. All the stars in the sky, the moon, the sun, the creation, the trees, the animals, the birds, all that is around us are the clear evidence of a God that exists. The heavens declare the glory of God. Firmament shows his handiwork. Day to day they utter speech. Night after night they show forth knowledge. There is no voice nor language where their message is not heard. He's the creator God, and we see the evidence of him all around. Everything we see, hear, taste, touch, and smell is the fingerprint, the footprint of God. He's invisible, but we believe in him. And guess what? Not only do we believe in him, but we're in love with a Savior we've never seen. Now, stop and think about that. If I were to ask you, how many of you love Jesus today? I'll go ahead and ask you, how many of you love Jesus today? Well, let me ask you, how can you love somebody you have never seen? Don't you have to date somebody, spend some time with them, get to know them before you love them? But listen to what the Bible says. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So having not seen him, yet you love him. How did that happen? Because we heard the gospel, we looked up and we said, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. And the Holy Spirit came to live inside of us and he touched our heart and changed our nature. And before we knew it, we love a Savior we've never seen with our eyes. But guess what? The faith we have is the evidence of things not yet seen. Because the day will come when the trumpet will blow and Jesus will return. And when he returns, it said, every eye shall see him. And when we see him, then we will be with him forever. But until then, we walk by faith and not by sight. And we love him, though we have never seen him. That's a miracle of God. See, I have more than a belief system. I have a relationship with the living God. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And now some of you might be thinking, well, you know, Jeff, that's the problem I have with religion. You guys believe in something you, you can't see. And so I just don't go with that. I got to see it to believe it. Well, if you say that, you are more than likely an evolutionist. And if you're an evolutionist, I got to go here just for a minute. Forgive me. But I got to say something about this. Because if you're an because there's a huge atheist movement going on in our country right now. Richard Dawkins, um, oh gosh, uh, Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, the, the ever lovable Bill Maher. All mocking people who believe. I had a grandparent come up to me last night and say, this grandparent came up to me and said, my 15-year-old grandson is mocked and ridiculed every day in school, and he's about to break under it. They make fun of him for believing in God. They say, you're stupid for believing in something you can't see. Now, she said, what do I do about that? And I gave her some things that I thought would help her, but I want you to understand there is a movement out there that is aggressively attacking our faith. Now, it doesn't bother me because I know in whom I have believed, and I know he's able to keep that which I have trusted to him against that day. But for younger Christians, there is a real attack against the faith of people. But you need to know that those who believe in evolution also believe in something they can't see. Because evolutionists believe that a big bang happened some millions of years ago that supposedly launched the universe into existence, though they never saw it. Nobody was there to see it. And where did the gases and swirling masses that created the big bang come from? It all originated with something. The bottom line is there wasn't a big bang. There was a big voice that said, let there be. And that's the difference. But evolutionists also believe that a single-celled amoeba came crawling out of an ancient sea, evolved over millions of years of time into thousands of various species of creatures and beings, though nobody was there to personally see that, and we don't see it now. One species does not beget another species. It's never happened, and it never will. So though evolution cannot account for the beginning of the universe, cannot explain how the first matter appeared, yet evolutionists still choose to believe that it happened. If you get into a debate with one of them, they'll finally say, well, I just believe it. I say, ah, yes, therefore, you have a faith-based belief. It's a theory of evolution. And you have more faith than I do. Your belief takes more faith than mine because when I look around, I can clearly see that a creative creator God designed everything in perfect rhythm and perfect beauty, and it it is waiting for the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ who will bring in a whole new world and a whole new kingdom. And until then, I walk by faith, not by sight, and I love a Savior I've never seen but will. So... Bible faith means that the person with faith has total confidence in a God he cannot see and trusts that his promises will come true. That's Bible faith. Bible faith. I believe right now and I'm in love with a God I haven't seen, and so are you. Now, another thing about Bible faith, and this is the faith Mary operated in, because Mary couldn't see God, but she said, I believe what he told me, but she went further. Bible faith is always accompanied by action. If you have Bible faith, you will act on that faith. 
you will move on that faith. Faith is a verb. Faith is an action word. It is not passive. It's not where you sit and say, well, yeah, you know, I believe in a God and that's that. But no, Bible faith manifests with evidences that you have Bible faith. Because you will act on that faith. You will operate in that faith. You will put feet to your faith if you have Bible faith. Bible faith requires obedience to God's word, not just passive belief. So if I have Bible faith, you're going to be able to see it in my life. Because Bible faith means that I repent, I turn from the way that I was living to a whole new way. I'm going one direction, but when I get Bible faith, when I begin to operate in Bible faith and I look up toward God and call on him, then I must repent for my sin. And then when I repent, I turn and I go the other way and I'm walking in obedience to him. My life has changed. You can tell it. I'm not talking about a New Year's revolution, uh, resolution and I'm not talking about rehabilitation. I'm talking about transformation when you put your faith in the living God. And there is always action that follows it. Listen to what James said in the same way. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So if you say, well, I've got faith, but I'm not doing anything with it, then James says, well, then your faith is dead faith. Because real faith, Bible faith, will be accompanied by action. And it may not make any sense at all what God tells you to do, how he leads you to operate in faith. He may tell you to do something that doesn't make any sense. For instance, we read that verse a little while ago that said, if you give, you will receive. Well, that's not what the world tells us. The world tells us if you give, you're going to lose it. If you give, you're never going to get it back. If you give, you have just been subtracted from. But the Bible says that faith giving is like a boomerang. You throw that seed, but it goes away from you for only a season, but then it comes back around and comes back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over so that the giver becomes the increaser. And that doesn't make logical sense, but that's what the Bible says. It made no sense to the little boy who had a sack lunch, five loaves and two fishes, And Jesus said, do we have anything with us? Because we had a crowd of 5,000 people that are hungry. And the little boy said, well, I've got this little sack lunch, but that's crazy because that can't feed hardly two of them, much less 5,000. But Jesus said, give me what you have. And so he took that sack lunch and, and little did his mother know when she gave it to him that morning to go listen to Jesus, that that sack lunch would become material for a miracle because he gave it to Jesus and Jesus took it, blessed it, break it and gave it. And when he gave it, it began to multiply and multiply until over 5,000 people were fed by five loaves and two fishes. So though it didn't make logical sense, he operated in his faith and he saw a miracle. It didn't make any sense to Moses. When he's got Pharaoh's army coming up behind him and a million people, a million Jewish people who have been delivered from Egypt standing at the Red Sea, and here comes Pharaoh's army up behind them, a great cloud of smoke and dust and angry warriors. And Moses said, what do I do? And God said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He will show to you today. And he said, stretch forth your rod. And I don't think Moses did this. I think he did this. But he stretched forth his rod, 
And an east wind came from the hand of God and blew that sea apart. And they walked over it as on dry land. And when the last Hebrew got to the other side, it closed back in on their enemies. And a simple act of obedience became a miracle. Faith acts. Faith acts. Can you say it with me? Faith acts. It says in the book of Acts, speaking of Acts, Then the word of God spread. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So they not only had faith, but they acted on their faith. And they were obedient to the faith. And God changed their life. Faith is a verb. Faith acts. Now you might say, well, Jeff, why is it so important? Why talk about faith? Why is it so important? Because it's the foundation of the entire Christian life. The Christian life begins in faith, it ends in faith, and it's walked out by faith. The first act of faith was when you look up and you say, Lord, I heard your gospel. I believe what I heard. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead, come into my heart, and he comes in and saves you. That's the first act of faith. Then the rest of your life on earth, you live by faith, and when you die, you die by faith. So the whole Christian life, the foundation of it is faith. We walk by faith and not by the sight of our eyes. So that if the table is empty, if the cupboards are empty and we don't have a paycheck coming, we set the table anyway. Because we know that it's coming, that God will provide. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not on the way. Faith reaches up. And lays hold of the promises of God that you cannot see when you first begin to believe for it. And faith brings the provision from heaven to earth. And it is until it arrives, faith is the confidence of what you don't yet see. But you can wake up and say, though it's not here yet, thank you, God, it's on the way. Thank you, you've got something in the in heaven's oven that you're cooking for me, and I know that you're going to provide, you're going to break through because you're my healer, you're my provider, you're my peace, you're my strength, you're my banner, you're my joy, you're my all, you're my wisdom, you're my guide, you're my direction. So I know that it's coming. I know that it's coming. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I can't tell you how many times I've hung my hat on that verse. That if I sought God, if I pressed into God, if I I said, Lord, I'm going to seek you. If I got up in the morning and put him first and had Bible before breakfast and said, Lord, I'm seeking you. I'm praying to you. You've got my first attention. You've got my primary focus. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God knowing that if I do that, he's going to reward me with blessings money can't buy. He is a rewarder of those who occasionally seek him. Is that what it says? Who, how? Diligently seek him. That verse is telling us that nothing can be known about God or received from God apart from faith. Right down to what you believe about the origins of the world. Did you know that? Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. In other words, an invisible God created the visible creation. And we understand that 
by faith. So can you say with me, the just shall live by faith. Well, that was two of you. Let's try that again. The just shall live by faith. What did Mary do? God said, you're going to have the Christ child. She said, be it unto me according to your word. I believe it. And I receive it. And I'm beginning to prepare for it. She went and visited her cousin Elizabeth and said, I'm going to have the Christ child. Elizabeth said, I'm going to have the forerunner, the one who's going to announce his appearance. We're both pregnant by the miracle of God. Now, where does faith come from? Do some people just have the ability to kind of work up faith and make it be there? You just kind of will it into existence? Do you just try to think it into existence? Where does faith come from? Let me tell you where it comes from. It comes from God. Faith is a gift from God. Listen carefully. God has given to every person a measure of faith. Every person a measure of faith. It comes from God. God himself is the source of our faith. We didn't come up with it. He gave us saving faith. Faith, like every other good gift we receive, comes from above. James said, every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of change. Of his own will, he begat us with the word of truth, that we could be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, what is he saying? If it's a good gift, if it's a perfect gift, it comes down from the Father of lights. So I'm going to ask you a question. Is faith toward God a good gift? So where did it come from? It came from God. It says in the Bible, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. So faith comes from God. I had no faith until I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ sitting in jail as a 16-year-old juvenile delinquent in trouble for drugs. I had no faith at all. Are you ready? At 16, I'd never even prayed. I had never prayed a prayer. I had never looked up. But I heard the gospel. And when I heard the gospel, something was ignited in my heart because faith comes by hearing the word of God. So when the gospel was preached, something happened in Jeff Wickwire's heart. I heard God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And when I heard that it ignited, it birthed faith in my heart. And while I had nothing of faith before going into that room to hear it. When I went in there, God dropped into my heart faith to be saved. And it's what happened to every one of you. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Amen. When Billy Graham goes out there and he preaches the gospel to 50,000 people in a stadium, miracles happen. Here's the miracle that happens. You have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that drive into that stadium, park their car, walk in, that before then had no walk with God and no faith toward God. But when he preaches that word, then faith is ignited and hundreds go down to receive Christ. Last night, we had several people, seven, eight people come down in the Saturday night service to give their hearts to the Lord. Same thing in the early service this morning. They didn't plan on being in an altar when they were, got up to go to church, but something happened. When I preach the Bible, something happens. When I quote the Bible, it is supernatural. 
Faith is ignited by the Word. For the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and it discerns the thoughts and intents and hidden motivations of every heart. It is a mighty, powerful Word, and it builds faith. Faith comes from this book. You say, well, I've got weak faith, Pastor Jeff. Then get into the Bible. Here it is. Here is your breakfast of champions right here. It's not Wheaties. It's the Word of God. Open up the Bible and read the manna. And as you read, your faith will be built, ignited, fanned into flame. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Faith is being built right now as I just minister the Word of God. The Apostle John writes, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, born twice, born again, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So you don't go out and get religion. You are transformed by putting faith toward God and believing his word. Mary looked up and said, I believe that the Holy Spirit can put a new life in me. We look up and say, I believe the Holy Spirit can put a new life in me when I put my faith in what Jesus did for me. And that's literally what happens. We are born again, born twice. Listen carefully. Born once, you're lost. Born twice, you're found. Born once, you're blind. Born twice, you see. Born once, you're dead. Born twice, you're alive. Thank God for the Word of God. So faith is the act of placing our trust and confidence in the God who is invisible to the naked eye. And the source of faith is God Himself, and He makes faith come alive in us by the hearing of the Word of God. Can you say with me, thank God for faith? Jesus always required that anybody that he healed do something as an act of faith. Here comes the, the, the man with a withered hand, crippled from birth. He's embarrassed of it. It's hanging down, and, and he's kind of hiding it behind him. And Jesus said, what do you need? I, I need my hand healed. And Jesus didn't just say, okay, may your hand be healed. Go on, it's healed. He said, stretch forth your hand. So the man in front of everybody had to stretch forth what he was embarrassed of, had to stretch forth what he was ashamed of, had to stretch forth what he didn't want anybody else to see, his private stuff, his issue, his embarrassment. And, he, and from here to here, it was healed. Jesus said, stretch it forth. He's saying to some of us here today, stretch forth that withered marriage. Stretch forth that withered spirit. Stretch forth that issue that you're embarrassed of, that you don't want anybody to know. Stretch it forth. Ten men came to Jesus with terminal leprosy. They said, we need you to heal us, Lord. We want you to heal us. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priests. That's all he said. He didn't say you're healed. He said, go and show yourself to the priests. So he gave them something they had to put feet to their faith. And it says, I love this verse. It says, as they went, they were healed. 
as they were just walking. What were they walking on? They were walking on the Word of God. And as they walked on the Word of God, they were healed. As they went, they were healed. What did Mary do? Mary said, all right, I believe in a God I cannot see. And let it be to me according to his word. I act on what he told me. I'm making a confession of what he told me. And then she began to prepare for the arrival of the Christ child. And one day, Jesus was born of a virgin, Mary. And her promise became a reality. Now today, God wants to do the same thing with us. Can we stand up together today? And I want you to know that you have inside of you faith. You have faith for everything you need. Well, Pastor, Pastor, my, my faith isn't very strong. Your faith is everything you need. Let me ask you a question. Does God give junk? Does God sell anybody short? If he said he gave to every man the measure of faith, then guess what? He gave you enough to get you saved. He gave you enough to walk through this life successfully. He gave you enough that when you breathe your last breath, you are going to go meet Jesus. He gave you enough. He gave you all the faith you need. So it's not that you don't have enough. You do. It's, a, it's like a muscle you've got to use. Use it or lose it when it comes to faith. So I want us to bow for a moment of prayer. And I want to ask you a question here on Mother's Day. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, I don't know that I've ever asked Jesus to come into my life and experienced that miracle of a new birth. I don't know that I've ever done that. I don't know that there's evidence that I have ever done that. You can do that today. Today, you can have the miracle of a new life being born in you. And maybe you've walked with the Lord in the past but drifted. And now you're miles away from where you used to be. Today, you have the faith to come home. So with our heads bowed, I want to I lead you in a prayer. If you need Jesus in your heart, right where you stand, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And say this simple prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. I ask you to come into my heart as Savior and Lord. I not only believe in you, but I turn my faith toward you. Take the steering wheel of my life, Lord, and lead me from this moment forward. In Jesus' name. Now, if you've drifted, say this simple prayer, Lord, forgive me for anything that came between me and you. I put my faith towards you right now to bring me home in the name of Jesus.